Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week 9 of Sunbelt football began last night when Georgia State and Georgia Southern squared off. Tomorrow we'll have one of the most exciting Sunbelt Conference weekends of the year featuring not one but two games on national television and several other high-stake matchups. Kane and I can't wait to dive into the weekend in a moment, but before we do, we wanted to tell you about Wednesday's episode. We sat down with James Madison defensive and Jalen Green for the latest conversation in our Sunbelt Athlete Series. If you missed our interview with the nation's sack leader, you're going to want to go give it a listen. Today on episode 138 of the show, it's time for our week nine preview presented by Lafayette Travel. We're excited to preview our game of the week between Texas State and Troy. We'll break down the royal rivalry between now 25th ranked James Madison and Old Dominion. We'll also look at South Alabama and Coastal Carolina's big matchups on Saturday. Caden, I had a great time at Southern versus State last night, but we'll wait to talk about it uh, until Monday's episode. Tomorrow, we've got arguably one of the best slates of Sunbelt Conference games of the season so far. Caden, what's got you excited about Saturday's matchups? I think what doesn't have me excited is a better question. Uh, you talked about this slate, and you can compare them to other slates in past weeks and future weeks. Last week, we definitely lived up to the hype, and I feel like this week, the stakes have gotten even higher with more teams in the mix. And I just feel like when you look at how these teams match up with each other, and we're going to talk about these power ranks, rankings in a second, but I feel like there's just a lot of teams that are kind of in similar spots right now, similar styles of play, different styles of play. A lot of teams fighting for a lot right now as far as their individual races on each divisional side, and I think we're going to figure out a lot about some teams as we head into November and the most important football is played. So I think this week out of all of the weeks matters the most as far as how is you how do you look as a team going forward to November and can you actually realistically make that push into real conference play and real conference championship aspirations. So that's what I'm most excited about. Who's going to play their best ball when it matters most leading into the month where it matters most. Definitely a lot of big storylines to follow. Caden, we've made it tradition to talk power rankings at the beginning of each one of these episodes on Fridays. Uh, and let's talk about this week's power rankings. Really, I think the biggest thing that was interesting for me, Caden, we actually had a listener uh, post on Twitter, and I always appreciate when they do that. He, he mentioned the fact that the East is 8-1 and one versus West Division opponents so far this year. But currently, we have four West teams inside our top seven. Troy, South Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas State. Caden, what do you make of that that stat right there? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we've talked a lot about the strength of the East and how that could arguably be one of the strongest divisions across all of college football, especially with the implications of James Madison and how important the head-to-head matchups are. But I think for what they have in depth, the West doesn't have in depth. You look at our obviously the bottom four of our power rankings, you're going to see four West teams there. So I think that might allow for some of the East or the West teams rather to kind of bolster their record up a little bit. And our power rankings have kind of followed that a little bit. But I think cross-conference play is all about the competition you play. I mean, if you draw a James Madison, a Marshall, a Georgia State, that's never going to be fun for a West team versus on the East, you can maybe draw some opponents that are a little bit more favorable towards you. But I think it's definitely an interesting point. It's definitely something to look at moving forward. But I think ultimately, a lot of that's going to get settled once both of these teams, or sides of the conference rather, start playing each other more. I think you look at a team like, Texas State, who's coming off of a bye week, they kind of don't move as a result. Same to Louisiana with the performance they had against Georgia State. They don't really move. But I think the East kind of lends itself to some more movement and more jumping over each other just because of some of the close competition and close battles we've seen. So very interesting to see how moving forward the East and West plays out in the conference. I feel like the bottom of our list is probably going to stay the same with the West. But I think 
as far as the East goes, there's a lot more room for teams to maybe jump up and compete with the Troys and the James Madison's just as they keep continuing to play each other. Yeah, Caden, it's definitely a, a fascinating weekend this weekend. You have, you know, Troy versus Texas State. That's two and seven in our power rankings. You've got, you know, Georgia State and Georgia Southern's already taken place. Uh, South Alabama, you've got them facing a really good team as well. So a lot of movement could happen in the next week here. Caden, the other thing that happened this week, Old Dominion jumped up two spots to nine after their win over App State. They've continued to consistently climb, and they have a huge opportunity against James Madison tomorrow evening. Yeah, they definitely do, and I think Old Dominion is just a great case of having some good moments this year and some great moments even that have definitely earned them going up in our power rankings. But you also have to look at the past pedigree of what they did last season and what they've done in non-conference play as well. I think they've shown promising moments. They handled their business up until this point in conference play, but we know things are going to get a lot harder for them starting this weekend against James Madison. So I think they definitely deserve the bump up and teams that want to see more of a bump up from them. You just have to understand that what we've seen from the Marshall who's right in front of them, what we've seen from some other teams that are in front of them, that not only what we saw from them from last season, but what we've seen from them this season as well. They just have more of a confident body of work. And I still think that despite Old Dominion showing some promises and some flashes of some great stuff this year, I think even if Old Dominion was hosting every team above them in the power rankings, they wouldn't be favored in any of those matchups for a reason. So I think Old Dominion, yes, we've seen some great stuff. They could continue to climb in the power rankings if they can really take care of business in the bolster and the strong tough part of their East schedule. But right now, if you're an Old Dominion fan, you have to like that you're out of that bottom group and that you're pushing towards the top and you have somewhere to go, I think, as far as moving forward, not only in the power rankings, but in the Sunbelt Conference rankings where they look favorable right now as well. Yeah, Old Dominion, certainly one of the bigger surprises this season came in with a win total, according to Vegas, of three and a half. They have outperformed expectations by a mile so far. Caden, App State continues their free fall. They were a team that we had as maybe a dark horse candidate in the East to begin the year. They dropped down to number 11 after that loss to Old Dominion, and things could go from bad to worse depending on the result this weekend against Southern Miss. Yeah, they definitely can. I think App State has slowly but surely gone down in these rankings, not to my liking, but just from the facts of them losing and not performing and being able to finish games, which we'll talk about more later. But I think it's very clear in their head-to-head matchups where they belong in these rankings. You can't really deny the two teams in front of them because they've beat them. And then the team behind them, it's one of the teams behind them they're playing this weekend. So I think they're right where they should be, unfortunately, for App State fans. But I think it really puts them in a hard position, I think, moving forward to even go up in our power rankings. It's going to be very hard for them to get the conference championship contention as well just because of the losses they've already sustained. And how are you going to compare that if they do get some wins later in the season that are a little bit more meaningful and are more important? I think from a power ranking standpoint, it's definitely going to depend on what those teams that they beat and lost to look like moving forward. Certainly an important weekend for App State. Caden, I hear you have a, a special name for this game. We'll have to get into that Uh, in a few moments. Well, as promised, we'll be previewing the remaining matchups in week nine of Sunbelt football. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's preview. All right, everyone, like we promised, we'll be previewing each of Saturday's matchups in the Sunbelt. And Caden, we will start with our game of the week between Texas State and Troy. This game will be at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Caden, a matchup of two title contenders. I don't think we expected to say that when the year began, but both of these teams seeking bowl eligibility. Texas State, it would be their first ever bowl game if they can get it done. Troy looking for back-to-back bowl games for the first time since a three-year run from 2016 to 2018 under Neil Brown. 
Troy, 11-1 all-time in this series. They've won 11 straight, dating back to 1997 when Texas actually, Texas State rather, won the first meeting of this series. Kane, you might remember last year, Troy had to come from behind in the fourth quarter of this game. Rajay Johnson, 23-yard pass from Jarrett Dagey. That's a random name in Troy history uh, to win 17-14. to Caden, you've been excited for this one for quite some time. It felt like these teams have been on a collision course. There are so many West implications in this matchup. You've got Texas State at 5-2, and two, eyeing their first ever bowl game versus the defending champion Troy Trojans at 5-2, and two, eyeing a bowl game as well. Caden, the winner is going to get a slight edge in the West title race in this one. This is a huge matchup. It's a huge matchup, and like you mentioned, maybe the most unexpected game of the week of the season we've had so far. I think both of these teams coming off of a bye week just adds even more juice to this matchup. Both of these teams are going to have fresh legs on both sides. They're going to be in better health, better rest, and both of these coaching staffs have had a lot of time to take a long look at both of these teams and really analyze and break down their game plan. So I think this just has all of the makings of an instant divisional classic looking at the conference right now, talking about a Troy team that's proved that they're still Troy coming off of four straight wins that have really been all kind of impressive in their own ways outside of that Arkansas State game. I mean, they beat Western Kentucky now for a second consecutive year. We know how great they are as far as their high-flying attack. They still managed to do that again in that win. You saw Georgia State team that they really manhandled in that game that we regard highly in this conference that's been slowly but surely rising in our power rankings. And then they beat Army in their own game, which was probably one of the most impressive wins, I think, in the entire conference, just looking at them beating them in their own game choosing to run the ball down their throat versus getting the ball run down their throat against an army team. So I think Troy has kind of shown they're still Troy. They're still the reason why they have the respect and have garnered the respect as the defending champions. And Texas State, on the other hand, is the surprise of the year. We're all familiar with the backstory. They have this offseason up until this point. We've seen them through eight weeks of the season really show their high potential, their high ceiling. But we have seen some low floor moments as well. Their offense is electric. electric. Their defense plays hard. has gotten the job. Ton of get gotten the job done a ton this year despite being on the field as much as they are but like I mentioned they have some flaws we've seen them take their foot off the gas now in the second half even if they had some big leads on multiple occasions they haven't finished games probably the way they've wanted to and we saw that especially in the loss they had to Louisiana the last time we saw them play and then that barely edging out Louisiana Monroe in that game as well and now they're facing pretty much a team that does the opposite of that their whole entire championship run was predicated on playing well in the second half in fourth quarters being in crunch time moments and closing those things out. So I think this is an awesome matchup. They have a difference of styles as well, teams that are just in different places right now, but heading in the same direction in the conference, and I cannot wait to watch this one. Okay, and the other fun thing in this matchup, and you kind of briefly alluded to it, it's just the differing in styles. I'm really curious to see which team sets the pace in this game. You've got Troy, who's a very physical team. You're going to get a steady dose of the nation's leading rusher, Kamani Vidal, who it is worth mentioning, has a real chance of becoming Troy's all-time leading rusher in this game. Texas State runs it well, too, but Caden, they're going to throw it as well as anyone. 283 yards per game is third in the conference. How do you think this is going to play out? I don't know how it's going to play out, but I'm really excited to see how it does. You could argue that this is probably the biggest contrast of style between two units in the conference. Maybe if you saw James Madison play against this Texas State team, we could say it that was the case. But I think when you look at both of these teams in this matchup, I think who's going to be able to win this game is going to come down to who can implement and establish their style going into this game and who can make the other team kind of play into their game. We know Texas State and what they want to do. They want to put up points. They want to put up a lot of them, and they don't want to waste any time doing that. They've been pretty consistent in starting games fast outside of a couple opponents, but 
Can they get off to that hot start that we're used to seeing as a question against a super stout defense that's leading the conference right now and points allowed, just allowing 17 a game versus an offense that's putting up 38 points a game. So something's going to have to give in that area. And I think Texas State starting this game off early is going to be huge in this game. If they can start off like they normally do, putting up a couple of touchdowns and getting in the end zone and kicking some field goals in the first quarter of this game, that's going to make Gunnar Watson have to throw the ball more. It's going to make them have to lean way from Kamani Vidal in that rushing attack, which they are capable of. Just because Troy isn't a pass-first team doesn't mean they can do it. We've talked about Gunnar Watson's growth and evolution as a passer in this podcast. He has unreal chemistry with his wide receivers right now, but this Troy team is just the best, I think, as far as being disciplined and playing within their style. They love to hand the ball to Kamani Vidal, control the game with their defense, He's the centerpiece of their offense. They're very selective with their pass plays and how they are able to operate as an offense. And just their overall play calling and decision-making is just the epitome of discipline. You saw that against an Army team where they probably could have chose to air the ball out, but instead chose to turn clock, turn clock in the game and, and just play into their own style and really not feed into having to play out of their own comfort zone. So I think in this game, if Texas State's able to start off with a lot of electricity, get some points on the board, and maybe put Troy on the ropes and have them have to cater to their style, we might see a shootout, but I think if we see what we think we've seen and what we've got, been accustomed to seeing from Troy, which is playing stout defense, running the ball, it's going to make it to where Texas State might not get the ball as much as they want, and they're going to have to make the most of those opportunities and maybe think about it more, not have to go tempo, but okay, what's our best call right here? Can we get TJ and the boys really comfortable on offense, and can we execute? So I think whichever team is going to be able to implement and impose their style on the other first is most likely going to win this ball game. Yeah, it certainly seems like a, a battle of wills could shape up in this matchup. Kane, listeners of our show, they're very familiar with the quarterbacks of both of these teams. Gunnar Watson for Troy, TJ Finley, they've both actually been on the show before. Kane, but there are so many skill players in this matchup we got to talk about. You can call them weapons even. Uh, Texas State, you've got Ismail Mahdi. You've got that wide receiver trio of Hobart, Hawkins, and Wilson. Troy, we've already talked about Vidal a lot. You've got Jabri Barber. You've got Chris Lewis. Caden, it's going to be interesting to see which grouping of weapons or individual weapons step up in this matchup. Yeah, no, one of the worst parts of last week is we didn't get to see all of the skill players you just mentioned. We had to see no Kamani Vidal, no Ismail Mahdi, no Hobart, no Chris Lewis. We didn't get to see any of some of our favorite weapons in the conference perform. Guys who regularly see themselves on our list of who's the player of the week in the conference. None of those guys were able to be there. So now we get to see them all in the same field. It's just super exciting. And you said it, we know what we're going to expect from the quarterback position. We've talked about Gunnar Watson's growth, how he's really matured as a passer in the pocket, being on time, being on target, just making all of the right decisions. And we know that the same as with TJ Finley being probably the most physically talented quarterback in the conference, the most precise when it comes to being accurate, looking like an NFL guy out there and just really being precision and having the best season he's had of his career truly. And I think what it's going to come down to with both of these quarterbacks being so consistent for their teams this year is who's going to get the most help from their supporting cast. We know Ismail Mahdi is one of the most versatile players in the entire conference. So I really like him being an X factor in this game, just because even if the run game isn't there, Troy's excellent at stopping the run. If he can't run the ball, he can be effective in the return game. He's a excellent weapon out of the backfield as a pass catcher so I feel like he can have his fingerprints all over this game and really stretch Troy's defense out maybe horizontally as well as in the run game versus a Kamani Vidal who's going to just be an absolute sledgehammer in this game he's going to get his touches he's going to really test the physicality of this Texas State defense who styles a little bit less physical so I think that's going to be great and then the wide receivers galore in this game I mean you have Deshaun Stoudemire Chris Lewis who's probably the most athletic wideout we have 
in the conference and Jabri Barber are all playing some of their best ball versus the other trio they have for Texas State, Joey Holbert, who's probably the most slept on receiver in this conference, Ashton Hawkins and Cole Wilson, who are just shifty guys that are all the entire group of guys I just mentioned. They all have over 200 receiving yards this year, except for one guy. I think the DBs are going to be able to give a harder time to the Texas State receivers, just knowing Troy's pedigree. So I think that matchup is going to be key. But I think overall, if these quarterbacks do what they're going to do, it's going to come down to which come, which of their weapons can get that yak, which of their running backs can break off a long run, and which team can ultimately score the most points given their their weaponry they have on the offensive side of the ball. Ken, I don't think it's unfair to say that this game might have the most offensive talent that we have seen in a Sunbelt Conference game yet this season. Uh, Troy, a five and a half point favor over under sitting at 53. Caden, how you leaning here? I have to rock with Troy. I just do not feel comfortable betting against John, John Summerall and the experience and pedigree of this team. It really doesn't have to do with personnel. I think Texas State has the bodies, the players to make this happen and really pull off a win here. I think it's going to be a close game. I do not think that there's that Troy's going to cover in this matchup. But I just think what I talked about before, the deficiencies we've seen outside of actually personnel and playing, us seeing Texas State take their foot off the gas in moments, let the other teams creep into games. I think that's why I'm taking Troy because Troy doesn't do those things. Troy puts their foot on the gas when it matters most. They play their best ball in the second or in the third and fourth quarter rather. And I think they still have that championship pedigree within them to make it happen. So I'm taking Troy in this one. I don't think they're going to cover though. And I'm going to take the under on the points. I think Troy's defense dictates the pace and makes Texas State play a different style of football than they're used to in this matchup. So a close game, uh, in your opinion, here between Troy and Texas State. Caden, I'm going with Troy as well. They've won, you know, four in a row since beginning the season one and two. You mentioned the John Summerall era. They're 17 and four since he became head coach. They've handled Georgia State this year. They blew out Arkansas State. They're coming off of a bye week. Caden, they've shown the ability time and time again to shut down good offenses. I'm expecting them to slow down Texas State, not shut down Texas State. But I think their championship pedigree is going to propel them to a close win in the fourth quarter. I do see this one hitting the over on the points. I do think both teams will have some success on offense. Let's move on to our second matchup, Caden, between the 25th ranked James Madison Dukes. I'm going to say that a lot in this episode. We got to. We've been waiting all year to say it. Uh, they're facing Old Dominion at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on ESPNU. Caden, JMU enters ranked in both the AP and the coaches poll for the first time in program history. It's their homecoming. It's a purple out at Bridgeforth tomorrow. The latest installment of the Royal Rivalry. JMU actually won and two all-time versus Old Dominion, but they did win 37-3 in Norfolk last November. Caden, James Madison, they're finally ranked after a 7-0 start. Let's be honest, it should have happened sooner, but now that they are, there's more distractions. Jalen talked about how this group stays motivated on our interview with him on Wednesday. I saw Kurt Signetti go on Jim Rome on Thursday and talk about blocking out the noise. Caden, the last time they were ranked, we all know what happened. They lost to Georgia Southern. How do they avoid a similar fate on Saturday? I keep doing what they're doing and keep blocking out the noise like they are. I think last year we saw that high-flying style of Georgia Southern kind of in states, bro, just put them in a, a bad situation for a trap game, I think. And when you look at this game, I just don't think it has those trap game elements. You mentioned it's homecoming that does come with distractions. It's a purple out, which brings a lot of excitement to the program when it's ranked. But this team has been handling their business in a militant fashion this year, and I think they're going to continue doing it in this game. I think last year, when you look at when they got caught slipping, Todd Santeo threw three interceptions in that game. They let the Eagles kind of dictate the offensive pace in this game. And I don't think 
Old Dominion necessarily has the firepower to do that. That's why I picked Georgia Southern against this James Madison team this year, because I thought there was maybe be a slight chance they could replicate that. But I don't think if they weren't able to replicate it this year with a kind of reloaded and reestablished offensive culture, I don't think an Old Dominion team with a new offensive culture is going to be able to do it against the stout defense. I also think in that game last year, that's when we started seeing kind of that Todson Teo injury stuff lurking in the next game. He didn't play against Marshall and they lost and they looked like a shell of himself against Louisville in that next matchup. So I don't think Old Dominion's offense has the ability to pry that same pressure offensively that James Madison saw last year from the Eagles. And I think this James Madison defense, if we're being honest, it doesn't have everything to do with Old Dominion. This JMU team looks even better than it did on defense last year than it does this year. They're absolutely menacing at the line of scrimmage. They've given every team problems in the run game and in protecting their quarterback this season. So I think this is a battle-tested team now. We saw them have to kind of grit out and grind out a win against Marshall last week. And I think that kind of calloused them over a little bit. And I think that's how that's why they're probably able to block out that noise and just stay focused on this matchup. Caden, my fear is that on paper, this one could get ugly. I'm I'm nervous about ODU's offense and can they operate versus JMU? You've got ODU, which is the most sacked team in the country, 5.4 sacks per game given up this year. JMU leads the nation in sacks per game at 4.9. Caden, plus ODU, they like to run the ball 162 yards per game. JMU gives up 36 yards per game. Are we betting on ODU, you know, being the only team who's run the football against JMU in the last two seasons? Caden, can ODU win a one-dimensional football game versus the Dukes? Well, I think we're about to find out. That's for sure. I think it's interesting because schematically, I really like what I've been seeing from Old Dominion lately as far as their offense goes, especially against App State. We've talked about their scheme, how it's effective, why it's effective, their ability to split out their wide receivers, have some light boxes for their running backs to work in and for their wide receivers and skill players to get some one-on-one matchups against some people in the secondary that they've been able to win and create some explosive plays with. But I think when you look at it, it's interesting because James Madison's weakness is that secondary. It's not because it's a bad secondary. It's just because their strength is so predicated up front. But I think, can we possibly see Old Dominion's wide receivers be able to explode some stuff on the back end and get open on some routes and, and make some magic happen that we've seen a couple of times this year? Probably not just because of how much time their quarterback is going to have back there. You talked about how many sacks this team gives up and they're playing a team that leads the nation in sacks right now. But I think JMU is going to be more tested in this one mentally than physically. They're going to have to be very gap sound against this light box. And I think JMU's ability to stop the run is going to be tested probably more than we think it will be in this game just because of the schematics of it. I think all of their players in their front seven are going to have to play discipline. But ultimately, if they do what they always do and ODU can't get Wicks or Callaway moving the chains, I just don't see this offense being able to hold up enough to where they get in those third and long scenarios. And those pass rushers that we know are elite can really pin their ears back and get after it. I just don't see them having enough time to operate. So if I was the old Dominion offensive coordinator in this game, I would try to use Grant Wilson's legs as much as possible, maybe add a different wrinkle and dynamic to keep this defense on its toes. But this is a very hard defense to keep on its toes, that's for sure. Okay, JMU 20-point favorite, over-under at 49. We've been very complimentary of ODU over the last several weeks. As we talked about earlier in this episode, they've consistently moved up our power rankings. But JMU is a different animal than App State and Southern Miss right now. Georgia Southern was a trap game for the Dukes. We saw how that handled that uh, firsthand. Uh, Caden, I'm expecting to see the same in this one. I think this team is focused. They're eyeing an undefeated season. Give me JMU to win and cover uh, the 20 in this game, and I'm going to take the over on the points. Yeah, I'm going to take James Madison winning and covering in this one as well. I just think 20 points is a lot, but I do think if you can't win at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to have a chance in any level of football, and I think there's just no chance that they can hold 
back this James Madison front. And I think even on the flip side, from a protection standpoint, I don't think Old Dominion's defense can put enough pressure on their offense that's running like a well-oiled machine right now to really slow them down either. So I think when you look at this one, I think it could be a lopsided one. I'm going to take the under on the points. I think James Madison handles business, but I don't think Old Dominion is going to be able to hold up their bargain on the points when it comes to scoring in this game. Hey there, Sunbelt fans. Are you ready to score big with an unforgettable getaway to the heart of Louisiana's Cajun and Creole country? Look no further than Lafayette, Louisiana, your ultimate destination for football, fun, and fantastic memories. Immerse yourself in Lafayette's vibrant culture, savor the mouth-watering Cajun cuisine, and cheer on your favorite Sunbelt team. Visit Lafayette, Louisiana, where every day is a touchdown celebration. Head to LafayetteTravel.com slash Smith to start planning your ultimate Sunbelt football getaway. South Alabama versus Louisiana. Caden at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Twelfth meeting between the two programs dating back to 2012. The Jags 3-8 and eight all-time versus the Ragin' Cajuns, but they have fared better at home 2-3. and three. Although this is the second meeting ever at Hancock-Whitney. The previous matchups had taken place at Lab Peebles. Caden, South Alabama snapped a six-game losing streak when Diego Guajardo hit the game-winning field goal as time expired down Louisiana and Lafayette a year ago. Caden, much like the game we'll talk about next between Coastal and Marshall, the trenches are going to be very important in this game. South Alabama boasts an offensive line that's given up the sixth-fewest sacks in the conference this year at 14. Louisiana brings a defensive front that's tied for the third-most sacks in the Sun Belt uh, with 21. Caden, South Alabama hasn't allowed a sack in their last two games against ULM and USM. UL just has three sacks total in their last three games. Who has the advantage in the trenches in this matchup? I think right now it's South Alabama's offensive line. I mean, they were able to build confidence in the last two weeks, like you mentioned, after giving up five sacks to James Madison and giving up five previously in the year to Tulane. I think it's very clear that when Carter Bradley is under duress, this offense is just not the same. And that usually comes with poor play in the run game as well. It's just permeated and been contagious for this team. In both of their losses, they couldn't get the run game going either, and they couldn't have Carter protected either in that game. They were had him running around for his life out there. If he's well protected, like we've seen in the last two games, we've seen this offense can be very efficient and perform at a high level. It's just easy, free-flowing. They move the chains, and then their defense isn't expected to do as much when it comes to those third and long situations and doesn't have to be compromised at all. So I think when you look at the edge, you have to give it to South Alabama, and it's partially because of what you've seen lately from Louisiana. We know they have 21 sacks this season, but like you mentioned, 18 of those sacks were in the first four weeks of the season. This team has only had three sacks in the last two years, and I don't think just quite yet they've been able to show that they can bring that non-conference production into conference play this year they obviously did great against old dominion earlier in the season but just lately against some of these teams or some of the league's best teams we just haven't seen it from them i think south alabama where they could maybe get caught slipping is just the way they get their blitzes done at louisiana we like to we like to see them well they like to rush a lot of different guys a variety of backers edge rushers they do a lot of different stunts and exotic blitzes so i think Mentally, these guys are going to be tested at South Alabama, but I think just after two weeks of not allowing a sack, they're going to look to keep that streak going. They're going to have to get the protection called early if you're a guy like Carter Bradley who's calling the shots up there, and I think they're going to be able to get it done. So if Louisiana does turn the page and show that they can bring some of that old pass rushing stuff we saw when they were getting five sacks in games, seven sacks in games, then maybe we can see them disrupt some stuff up front. But just the way South Alabama has been looking, granted against lesser competition, there'll probably be a sack or two in this game. But I ultimately think that South Alabama is going to be able to be efficient in their offensive attack thanks to those guys up front. 
Okay, on paper, this game means a lot for both programs. If you're Louisiana, a loss makes you one and three in Sunbelt play. A win makes you two and two. South Alabama on the other side, you're three and one if you win this ahead of that clash with Troy, but two and two with a loss. Caden, as the calendar gets set to shift to November, who does this game mean more for? It means more to South Alabama, and it all has to do with expectations. Louisiana snuck into a bowl game last year. This team is young, and now they're led by a young quarterback. And I think despite how well they've played this season, that just comes with different expectations compared to what they have going on at South Alabama. South Alabama is one of the most experienced teams in the entire country as far as bringing back their starters. They took a big leap last year, and now they're looking to take kind of more of a smaller leap and get into the conference championship, which isn't really far from what they did last year. So I think after an inconsistent start to the season with some highs and lows, their most for, this is their most formidable opponent they've seen in conference play since they lost to James Madison. And despite what the box score says in that one, I think that was an embarrassing showing. When you just look at the way James Madison was able to kind of enforce and impose their will on this team moving forward. So I think this game is going to tell us a lot about what to expect from South Alabama moving forward into the most important time of the year. And it starts with this stretch. I think this back-to-back stretch is their most important games of the entire season. Last year, it was the same deal. They were able to beat Louisiana in the situation in a close one last year. And it kind of showed that maybe they've taken a step ahead of Louisiana, but then they lost to Troy later down the line. And this two-week stretch, we see them play Louisiana and Troy. So I think this is kind of where the two-week stretch where South Alabama's had their calendar marked. This is where they know their conference championship hopes and and dreams and and all that good stuff are going to be settled in this week so I think right now it all comes down to South Alabama all eyes on them the pressure is on them as far as can they win in this two-week stretch and put themselves in a conversation they've never been in in the conference South Alabama 10-point favorite in this game over under at 55 Caden I'll go first my fear is that I'm being lulled to sleep by how good South Alabama has been the last two weeks they were A little shaky early on this year, but I'm trending back up in terms of my feelings about this South Alabama program. It seems like they have figured some things out here. I do think 10 is a lot here, but with how good the offenses look, Caden, I'm going to go with South Alabama to win and cover in this one. I think over under at 55, I think Louisiana is also going to be able to put up points in this game because we have seen some deficiencies from that Jags defense. So give me the over on the points as well. Yeah, you know I have to ride with my guys in South Alabama and as much pressure as they're feeling in these two weeks, I'm feeling it right now with them too. I'm with you, all of you, all the people in South Alabama, I'm with you. I'm feeling the pressure of this two-week stretch. I know this is big time, but I think they're going to come through in this big time moment. I think the last two games have really been great at both sides of the ball, being able to reestablish their confidence and get back on track. And I do think Louisiana is going to give them a run for their money. I think South Alabama wins this one, but I don't think they cover. I think 10 points is a lot. And I think I'm willing to say going forward this year, I don't think Louisiana is going to lose by 10 points. That's how good this team is. They fight till the very end. They're a young team showing a lot of fight this year, led by a young quarterback. But I do think the experience and kind of the pressure that's been put on South Alabama to perform and them living up to that and building up their confidence lately is ultimately going to lead to a dub for them. So I'm going to take South Alabama to win. I do think Louisiana covers, though, and I'll take the over on the points. I do think both teams can operate in this game despite both of their defenses really playing well lately. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Definitely one of the sneakier matchups, I think, in this Week 9 slate. Coastal Carolina versus Marshall Caden, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on NFL Network. Big possibility in this game that both stars, Rasheen Ali and Grayson McCall, miss the game. Coastal won the first matchup between these two last year in Huntington, 24-13. to The Herd, though, returning to the teal turf for the first time since their bowl win over UConn last December. It's homecoming for Coastal Carolina. They had 
won five straight homecoming games from 2012 to 2016, but they're just two and two in their last four and looking for their first homecoming win since that uh, historic 2020 season. Caden Grayson McCall, doubtful, according to Tim Beck. He's scheduled to see a specialist uh, this week after that scary hit uh, versus Arkansas State last week. Beck said he'd know a little bit more on Friday, but all signs point to Grayson not going in this one. Caden, everyone's heard his resume, so I'm not going to waste my time there. What does him not playing mean for this coastal offense and more broadly for this entire team? It means everything. It means absolutely everything. This is their best player in their school's history. First and foremost, we hope he's doing well. We hope he's healing up nice. But I think it means everything for both sides of the ball. It's not just offense. It's not just defense. It's the entire team. It's the entire culture of this team that oozes off of him. And I think when you look at him just being the fearless leader of this team and just looking at the history of this team when he's not there versus when he is there, it's a big deal. And Jared Guest will likely take the reins of this offense over. And we've seen this guy before. We're familiar with Jared. He made two starts last year in Grayson's absence after he had another injury versus James Madison and Southern Miss. And those weren't great games. I mean, versus Southern Miss, he only completed 50% of his passes, had two interceptions. And Coastal ran the ball 42 times in that game in a close win. So I expect them to see them continuing to lean on that run game. And I think when they play James Madison, we know how that went. They got absolutely rolled right before the conference championship game. He competed. He completed less than 50% of his passes in that game. He got sacked four times. He threw another interception. He did get a touchdown off on a fourth and one trick play to a wide open target. But I think Jared Guest just being the point guard of this offense now compared to a Jason, Grayson McCall, it's just a major shift. And I think this team is going to have to change their offensive identity as an entire whole. I expect to see a heavy dose of run in this game. I expect to see different creative ways to get Jared Brown and some of those playmakers the ball and try to get Guest as many of those easy layup throws as possible. I think he's going to be involved in the run game too. We saw the freshman Ethan Vasco on one play in a design run when Grayson was out and injured in that fourth quarter last year. So I, or last game rather, I just expect this offensive stack to use their entire bag of trips in this one without Grayson McCall against the very good Marshall defense who clearly got their mojo back last weekend. But it also is a huge factor for this coastal defense. I think they're probably the most important key to the success in this game because if they can keep the scoring down, that's going to make Jerry Guest stay way better. And I think that's going to be huge for this team. If we see a game that looks like Marshall and JMU from last week, then only Jared Guest and a couple of these guys are going to have to make a couple plays to really get a win in this one. So I think if Marshall's defense can or sorry, Coastal's defense can take care of business in this one. It's going to make the offense's job easier. And then you can maybe see Jerry Guest in this offense, maybe score a couple points, get in the end zone a couple times and pull out a gritty win. Yeah, it definitely sounds like they're going to have to lean on their defense maybe a little bit more than if uh, Grayson was playing in this game. Caden Marshall, they showed some much-needed signs of life defensively last Thursday versus James Madison. The 20 points was the Duke's lowest total of the season. Marshall's defense had seven TFLs. You remember that big safety in that game also had an interception in that contest. Caden, the big question in my mind is, can they translate last week's performance into this Saturday? And then will the offense find a way to improve maybe without Ali, assuming he doesn't play in this game, which is a big if. Yeah, Marshall's defense was back last week. I mean, after the first half shutout against James Madison, I mean, that was that was the told you that they're back and they're back to their style of play and then playing to that pedigree. I think it was very impressive what we saw really throughout the entire game as a defense, but despite coming short in a win and loss. And I think just compared to that horrible three-week stretch, you love to see this defense flying around, keeping teams out of the end zone and doing what they do. Can they maintain that is the question. I think they should be able to against a backup quarterback. I think this is a great 
opportunity to continue building on that defensive momentum that they started last week going up against a team that's going to have to kind of switch their game plan up and isn't as comfortable at the quarterback position as they normally are. And I think offensively for Marshall, it's kind of the opposite story. They got absolutely stonewalled by James Madison defense, not just getting obliterated on offense, but in the kicking game where they were just dominating the position or the field position battle. And that's where we saw they couldn't be successful. I mean, they had to put together multiple 90 play drives if they wanted to score touchdowns. And this offense just is not built for that. So I think moving forward in this game, if they don't have Rasheen Ali, that's one thing. But I think it's another thing if the field position is going to continue to hurt them. So I think the good news for them is that this game out of their last four, I anticipate them being able to play their style the most. They weren't able to play their style last week because they were playing a James Madison defense that dominates everyone. And then the prior three games, they weren't able to play their style because their defense was giving up 40 points a game. I think neither of, of those things are going to be a factor in this game. And despite not having Rasheen Ali, I think Cam Fangshire and this offense should be a little bit more comfortable in their speed as far as their execution and what they're normally accustomed to doing. Okay, and I think uh, Marshall's just excited that they're not facing uh, James Madison punter Ryan Hansen in this game, who uh, made their life hell uh, in that matchup. Caden, uh, the Herd, a four-point favorite in this game, over-under sitting at 45. How are you leaning? I just simply can't pick Coastal Carolina without their leader and best player of all time, Grayson McCall. That's the most important factor to me in this game, and that's why I'm taking Marshall. Marshall does have some positive defensive momentum going, which I think doesn't. This is just bad news, even worse news for Coastal Carolina with them out having their quarterback. So I'm taking Marshall bouncing back. I think they need this. I think this could be a turning point for Marshall going forward this season. But I just think their defense is looking too much like themselves coming off of the James Madison game and then playing a quarterback that just isn't as experienced as Grayson McCall can't pick them. So give me Marshall to win. I do think they cover in this one as well. And I'm going to take the under on the points. I still think it's going to be an ugly one, but one that Marshall does pull out the win in. Caden, very similar to you with Grayson out. This game, you know, becomes a lot more interesting. Ali out too could make this game even more interesting. Uh, we do have two serviceable defenses. I think this game's going to be won and lost in the trenches. Can Coastal's offensive line hold up against that Marshall front? I think the answer is no. I think look for Marshall to maybe take a page out of Georgia State's book from earlier in the season, try to apply a lot of pressure on Jared Guest. I think Marshall's going to win a defensive battle by a touchdown here. And much like you, I'm also going to take the under as well. So, so far, it seems like uh, you and I are feeling the same about a lot of these matchups. Kane, let's move on to a game that uh, you're going to be in attendance for. App State versus Southern Miss. It's homecoming in Boone. And uh, Cato shows up for homecoming. 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. Caden, we're affectionately calling this one the hot seat bowl. You've had a front row seat Saturday uh, to this one. Caden, the only previous meeting took place in September of 2014, a 21-20 win by Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. These two teams, a combined two and eight in the last five weeks. Caden, before we get into this matchup, just a quick funny story. I was in Boone on Tuesday. I ate at the Comeback Shack, which I know is your favorite burger place up there. Went to order your favorite burger, the fried green tomatoes burger. My fat fingers, I chose the wrong one. Didn't realize it. Got the wrong burger. It was still elite, and I would highly recommend uh, you know, heading to the Comeback Shack. I think you're probably going this weekend, right? Yes, I was very disappointed that you weren't able to get the fried green tomato burger specifically from Comeback Shack because I think that's one of the delicacies of Boone. But don't worry, I might have two of them this weekend, one for me, one for you when I come back for homecoming. Well, I love that, Caden. I, I have that feeling that if uh, you were still playing, you might be uh, trying to get an NIL deal there at the Comeback Shack. But, Caden, when Southern Miss takes the field on Saturday, they'll be 11 days removed from their 55-3 to loss to South Alabama. Will Hall handed over the play-calling duties to Sam Gregg and Jordy Joseph. 
Caden, who starts at quarterback between Edwards and Wiles? That's uncertain in this matchup. Do you think we're going to see drastic improvement or change from Southern Miss in this game? Hopefully both. I hope we see drastic change. If you don't see drastic change compared to what you've been doing lately offensively, then what's the point of even having a new play caller improvement? That's just going to be a result from the change in how they react. I think this team needed to change something. I'm glad they're finally doing it. And I'm really glad Jordy Joseph is getting this opportunity as a quarterback's coach. This is his first time he's ever going to be calling plays in his career. And he knows the strengths and weaknesses of his quarterbacks better than anyone on the roster. So hopefully we can see that in this one. And hopefully they can take advantage of that in this one. We saw both quarterbacks last week against South Alabama. And quite frankly, you can look at the stats. You can say one did better than the other if you want to. But they both just did not look good. Whoever plays. Did Joseph build enough confidence in those guys throughout the week to perform is the question, because I just guarantee that watching that film session against South Alabama was not fun for anyone in that quarterback room. If I'm coach Joseph in this one, if I'm calling the plays for this Southern Miss team, I'm trying to maybe use some RPO action, try to get Frank Gore Jr. and some other playmakers the ball in space, maybe get the ball out of the hands quickly of the quarterbacks and not have them under duress and have them comfortable. But ultimately, like you mentioned, we're just looking for something different from before. App State is going to have to run their base defense in this game because they don't know what scheme there's going to get thrown at them. All of the film study they've been doing for the past couple of weeks or the, the film that they could have watched from the last couple of weeks from the Southern Miss team could very well be useless depending on how schematically different this offense looks. So I think that kind of works in Southern Miss's advantage. If I was them, I would try to be as unpredictable as, bull as possible, use some different motions, just do some different eye candy and window dressing to keep the defense off of their toes because ultimately they've been watching film of an offensive scheme that they might not be playing in this game. So I'm kind of excited for Southern Miss in this one, despite me going to be at this game and cheering for App State for sure. But I think as a Southern Miss offensive coordinator, you kind of have the advantage right now. You aren't really expected of much just given what your team has been doing lately. So why not throw a whole bag of tricks? Why not do as much as you can to kind of keep this defense on his toes and throw it off? So hopefully they can generate some offense and do what they haven't done this season, which is be efficient, a potent offense, specifically in the right time to start games and end games. Caden, for App State and Sean Clark, it's uh, I don't know if you can understate how important this game is. App's favored by 17. It's homecoming. App is 7-3 and three at the Rock since last year. But they've lost four games this year by a touchdown or less. They're just one and four in one-score football games. Kane, does this team have that pass dominance still in them? And if if they don't, they're going to need to prove that they can finish a close game. Yeah, and this one I think it's going to come down to the offense. I mean, they have a great opportunity to put up a lot of points against a defense that just has not been good this year. This defense gives up the most points per game in the conference with 38. They give up the most rushing yards per game in the conference at 202, and they're absolutely depleted in the secondary with guys playing back there that haven't even played defensive back at the collegiate level, and they're doing it for the first time and learning on the fly this season. So everything is set up for this App State offense who's been statistically good and great in moments this year to capitalize on it. But you mentioned it. It's going to come down to everything kind of from the neck up for this team in a program right now. From a talent, personnel, scheme, statistical, every angle standpoint, App State should win this game by a lot. But now there's more pressure than ever to perform and get a win. Every win is a win. You hear that all the time. But not all wins are created equally. And if App State can blow this team out like they have in the past against lesser conference competition, I think it at least will give the fan base not like a, a huge pat on the back, but just something to kind of nod their head at and be like, okay, we still have that in us. But if it's not going to be that kind of game, if it's going to be a close game, a back and forth battle, I think it's going to be tough for the App State fans to watch, tough for them to process, but then it's going to be a lot tougher if they can't finish the game out and win it. So have they, can they show that ability if they have to, to have that killer instinct to close out a game and win a close one? Or can they show their dominance that they've had in the past? At the end of the day, they have to show one or the other. 
And if they don't show either of them, then it's going to be real bad news. And I'm going to try to get out of Boone as quickly as possible when this game's over. That's for sure. Okay, and I did hear there was a new prop in the App State locker room. You'll have to confirm there's a pickaxe now that Sean Clark bought to signify how close that they were to uh, maybe breaking through to, you know, some sustained success. Caden, the app, 17-point favorite over under at 55 and a half. I'll go first here. Caden, there are still too many question marks for me for Southern Miss's offense. You've got the change at offensive coordinator. You might see a different quarterback in this one. I'm taking App State in this one, but am I confident in them covering the 17? No, so I'm taking USM to cover. Caden, getting Nate Noel back would make me a bit more confident in this game. I do think Joey Aguilar and the wide receiver core are going to have a big game versus this banged-up Southern Miss secondary that you mentioned. I am going to take the under at this game at 55 and a half. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said, Noah. I think both of these teams definitely have problems right now, but I think if you look at whose problems are bigger, when you just look at the way Southern Miss has been losing their games compared to App State, you can't just you can't pick Southern Miss to win this game. They're still figuring out so much on their side. They're trying to figure out how to win in general. App State's trying to figure out how to close out games and win games that they could win and should win in some of these scenarios. So I'm going to take App State to win this one. I think this is going to be a big coming out party for them. I think they're going to look to put up a ton of points. So I'll take the over on the points. And I'll take them covering. I think just it's too much of a mismatch when you look at their offense on the field against this defense. I think they're going to be able to exploit that just with the personnel they have. So give me app to win and cover, and I'll take the over on the points. Okay, and enjoy the uh, the game in Boone. Let's move on to our last game, ULM versus Arkansas State, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Caden, lopsided series in this one all time. Arkansas State leads 31-14. to the Red Wolves won last year 45-28 to 28, uh, in Jonesboro. In fact, they've won 13 straight dating back to 2010. Both head coaches, Butch Jones and Terry Bowden, in their third season of rebuilds. They are these two teams that combined one and six in Sunbelt play this year. Caden, ULM, we've said that they might be the best 0-4 conference team in America right now. In the last four weeks, uh, they had the one-point loss to App State, the one-point loss to Texas State, a 10-point loss to Georgia Southern, although that was a three-point game with a minute 53 to go. Caden, ULM has been competitive in every Sun Belt game except for South Alabama. What are the biggest keys for them in this game to get that elusive first Sun Belt conference win? It's self-inflicted wounds for this team. This team just has to prove to itself that they can't beat themselves. They had nine penalties last week against Georgia Southern, which really held them back from putting together kind of that improbable comeback win that we thought we were going to see. And it feels like with this team, it always comes at the worst time when they shoot themselves in the foot. I think back to the Texas State game on their final possession when they were setting themselves up to get into field goal range down one point with under a minute. And they get a pass interference penalty that turned a first and 10 into a second and 25. And the game was pretty much over there. So I think when you look at this team, we've seen the grit. We've seen them play tough and play hard. Do they have the strongest personnel and roster in the conference? Absolutely not. But they definitely have enough talent at certain positions, specifically some of those skill spots. We've seen some promising things from their mobile quarterbacks to get to the job done, stay in close games and win those close games. So I think for them, they just have to learn how to not beat themselves before they can beat another team. So I think if they play a clean brand of football, if they execute, if they play gap sound defense, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot with penalties on offense and on defense, then we can see them pull out a win in this one. But I think first things first, before they can even worry about beating Arkansas State, during the week of practice, did you take care of your corrections? Did you make sure that everything on your end, on your side, is taken care of? Caden, Arkansas State's goal in this game has to be getting the Jalen Rayner train back on the tracks. Uh, he lit the world on fire in his first three games, 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, also added two more on the ground. But these last two games, two interceptions, just two touchdowns, none on the ground. 
Caden, he hasn't been able to use his feet as much in recent games. What's it going to take to get Rainer back going tomorrow? I think the obvious thing is going to be not turning the ball over. I think that's a problem we see with a lot of young quarterbacks. And those two interceptions against Coastal really hurt this team in a game that was pretty close throughout it. Both of those were in Coastal Carolina's territory, which is an absolute gut punch. And they weren't able to get in the end zone in general. So I think when you look at Jalen Rayner at this game, obviously, if he doesn't turn the ball over, that's going to be huge just for this team in general, if they can win the turnover battle. But ultimately, I think this kid just needs to sustain drives and finish them versus Southern Miss. He really wowed us with some explosive plays. We saw some long runs from him, some deep passes from him. But that's just not a sustainable way of winning. You can't rely on the big play every time to get you in the end zone. You have to move the chains. You have to put together drives with a balance of the run and pass game and then get the ball in the end zone. We really saw that against a UMass team where he got his confidence up. That wasn't the best defense in the world, but he was absolutely surgical. And that game had a couple long drives where he was really able to kind of pick a defense apart, pick his spots, pick one to run, one to be effective with his legs and really sustain a long touchdown drive. So I think versus this defense, he might be able to use some of his talent, use his legs, make some of those big plays we saw against a Southern Miss defense that's also pretty undermanned. But if he can pair that with being able to, okay, Jalen Rayner gets the ball on the 20-yard line, takes your team 10 plays, 12 plays down the field and scores a touchdown, that's going to be huge for this team. We know he can get an electric 50-yard run out and, and score a touchdown in that way sometimes. We know he can find one of his deep threats down the field for that. But can he pair that with being able to kind of move the chains and show so much maturity that we've seen from a guys like Zion Chris, who are also young quarterbacks that are in a similar situation? Kane, ULM two-point favorite in this game, over under 56 and a half. How are you leaning? I'm going to take Arkansas State in this one. Just from what I said, I think Jalen Rayner is a talent as the point guard of this team, and their offense has just shown a different life. They've shown they can pull off some conference wins, unlike ULM has shown. I think ULM might, at this point, be more used to being disappointed and losing in games late, and they haven't proven to me, at least up until this point, that they can't beat themselves yet. So I'm going to go with a team that I've seen beat other teams and not beat themselves in conference play this year and go with a young quarterback that I think is going to really give this defense some problems. So give me Arkansas, Arkansas State to win in this one. I'm going to take the points. I think neither of the defenses really have an answer for some of the offensive stuff that these teams can do. So I'm going to take the over on the points as well. Okay, now I'm going the opposite direction. Uh, I think ULM, they've been competitive in every Sunbelt game. Again, minus South Alabama. They have two one-point losses to App State and Texas State. Frankly, they've looked better than Arkansas State this year, in my opinion. I'm interested to see how they go at quarterback between Wright or Murphy on Saturday. But I'm going with ULM at home here, Caden. They're going to break a 13-game losing streak. And uh, once again, I'm going to take the, the under in this game. Well, that will do it for our Week 9 preview presented by Lafayette Travel. Caden and I can't wait to get our eyes on some more Sunbelt football tomorrow. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We'll be back on Monday. We'll be dropping our Week 9 recap. We'll recap all this week's biggest games, including the midweek game between Georgia Southern and Georgia State. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go leave us a five-star review before you leave. Uh, give us five stars. Let us know what we could be doing better or what you're enjoying currently about the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>